You're listening to The Magnet Podcast. Uh, welcome to The Magnet Theater Podcast. I am Lewis Kornfeld, and today I'm talking with the great Nick Canellis. Nick Canellis, how do you do, sir? I am good. How are you? I'm, thank you for asking. I'm excellent. Thank oh, good. You. Yeah. Thanks for having me. What a pleasure. Thanks for being here. Uh, uh, we had a lot of thank yous right at the beginning. Yeah, thank, thank you also if you're listening to this. Yeah, thank you, how guys. Kind, how kind of you. It is really kind, guys. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Nick and Alice. Uh, um, so I want to get started with this. Um, uh, you are one of the guys that like, if I'm ever doing like a, uh, like a corporate show or mm-hmm. like a touring show or something like that, if you're on stage... Um, then I know we're a hundred percent fine. Uh, um, you are one of those improvisers that have like, not only like just a total sense of ease and confidence, but also like, there's just like a pure joy when you're improvising. And so it always creates the sense of like, oh, everything is going to be completely taken care of your comments on that. Uh, well, I feel the same way if I'm on stage with you. Huzzah. So there's that. Uh, right back at you. Um, and I guess, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think what you said about the the joy yeah. is maybe, maybe what it is because I just love doing it more than anything in the world pretty much. And so if I, if I get to do it, I'm like, oh, yes, nice. This yeah. is so fun. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, the people that I get to do it with, I, I just I feel like they have so many interesting things to say and, you know, they are so talented and great that it feels like uh sort of like being uh like a trapeze person and then you know you have that net beneath you you know so even though you're like wow i'll do whatever i always feel like i'll get caught yeah where where so let's kind of start at the beginning okay Uh, um where did you start developing an interest in performing and doing comedy and acting all that wonderful stuff you're from iowa Uh, right i am from iowa Yeah. yeah and uh Gosh, I guess uh, the interest in performing altogether uh, would be probably from from my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to uh, every year go to this Christmas party that some of my parents' friends would throw, and uh, and part of it was that every family would have to do a skit or like a sketch. I'm not supposed to call it skit, but at the time we, at the time yeah, we called it skits, and right. so I mean I know sketch is like. Sketch comedians get upset if you call it a skit. It's so just whatever. It's a skit. It's a, it's they're the same fine. thing. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, so uh, we performed these skits, uh-huh. and uh, I just remember I was always terrified. Like I, did, it was like so scary to go up there. But people would always, I always loved watching all the other ones. I was like, oh, this is so great, yeah. And then you know, people would always be really nice after. So I think that kind of helped me to start to get over some of the fear of it because I just had to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like you're doing this, you know. So like, okay, uh, so there was that, and then I remember. Uh, when cat cats came to Iowa city and my mom took me to that, the, the, the musical. Show, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like four or something, <laughs> but I remember seeing it being like, Whoa, these people don't have to be people. They can be cats. And I loved that yeah. for some reason. Um, so flash forward to, uh, you know, watching Saturday night live and whose line is it anyway? And just loving how silly it was, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a kid and just feeling like, Whoa, these, grown up people are pretending to be whatever they want. And it just, it just looked so playful and fun. Uh, so I always, I was always really interested in that aspect of it. Um, and then, uh, I remember I want, I wanted to do it in high school and at, at the time we, I wasn't allowed to, 
like the the new drama teacher wouldn't let us do improv and i was like oh so i had like this repressed i want to do improv Mm -hmm. and then i went to college and started doing it there what did your high school drama teacher have you guys do in place of it um oh we did this like storytelling thing where it was like I, i had i had an amazing uh drama teacher and speech coach up through senior year and then my, the drama teacher went on a sabbatical and there was a new drama teacher who mm-hmm. uh just wasn't just wasn't my favorite she was more kind of into you know traditional stuff mm-hmm. uh the theater teacher i had before uh was this woman by the name of kate ham who's just amazing and uh always kind of pushed pushed us to do different things yeah. which i know that some high schoolers are like no why are we doing this weird stuff like we should be doing the traditional big musical numbers and right. you know and, uh the new teacher was more into that stuff mm-hmm. so uh, but then in college, I got to do a lot of improv. Yeah, in, uh, at Northwestern. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and that's where you met Peter McNerney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If if we were vampires, Peter's like my improv maker. Okay. If, you know, like he's the vampire like, that turns you into a vampire. He's the the Lestat to your Louis. Yes. Is that exactly. Yes, I think Is so. Right? I think so. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Lestat turned Louis into a vampire. I think so. I it's think been so. a while. I haven't seen that movie in a while or read the book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go with yeah, that. Yeah. 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 Um. So how, what was, how did you guys meet? Um, well, originally we met cause, uh, I went to this theater camp with his ex girlfriend mm-hmm. and I met him for like a second and was like, I don't know if I want to like this guy. Then a year later we met at, <laughs> uh, school where he did the first, uh, long form show that I ever saw. And I just remember being like, man, that guy's really funny. Mm-hmm. I want to do what he's doing. And then, uh, I went out and auditioned for the long form team that he was the, the coach of and he cast me and then we started working together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that, I guess that's, that's how we met. The yeah. Long form. yeah. And he, uh, cause I remember the first time, uh, first time I saw you perform, uh, sort of like my opening impression was like, Oh, I could see like the relationship between this guy and Peter very clearly. There was like a very, uh, um, direct, you guys thought about it very similarly. um, uh, uh, and have since demonstrated that you're just sort of like locked into a common brain when you guys play. Like, uh, you know, I, one of the things that people talk about the most when they talk about your show together, trike is, mm-hmm. is the way that you guys are almost able to just kind of instantaneously read each other's mind. Um, so like, what did you kind of take from him when you first met him? Um, when I first met him, I just, I loved how, uh, you know, obviously the way I think about him now and the way I thought about him then, there's some differences and yeah. just in terms of where we were, were in our lives and age. But I, at the, the first time I ever saw him, I just remember being so impressed with uh, how smart he was and also just how flexible he was. Like I, he play, I feel like he could play anything. Yeah. Like his vocal range was crazy. You know, he was big and small and, you know, like – anything. He, I felt like he could do anything. And I was just like, Whoa, awesome. You know? And then now I, I'm just so impressed with what an amazing listener he is. You know, he just seems to catch everything. And, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I still feel this, those same things about him now. I don't want to be like, and now Peter's not flexible. <laughs> right. No, he's still very flexible, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. It makes total sense. Yeah. Which, you know, is something that I would 
I would uh, say I greatly admire about the way that you play too. It's interesting hearing that like cats is what made such a big oh, impression yeah. on you <laughs> because like that totally like speaks to, to one of the things that is so amazing when we get to play with each other that like you'll take on anything. You're not like, lim- like I find myself to be, I'm a little bit literal when I think about scenes. Uh-huh. It never occurs to me to like be a tree or to be a tiger or to be a baby. And, and it's always like, um, just like a blast whenever we get to do anything together, because you just sort of like extend those limitations of what's possible when you're playing. Like it really is this feeling of like you can dive in and be anything that you want, um, including cats, which I've seen you do a number of times. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's, uh, I don't know. I think I kind of look at animals and things like that like a child yeah. still, you know, where it's like, um, when you're a kid and you see a cat or a dog, you, you just don't have as much information about the world. And so you see them and you're like, Oh, they think the same way that we do. Or mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's a, there's some sort of a, a commonality to it. And even as adults, you know, we're constantly anthropomorphizing animals, you know, we're like, Oh, this is what they're, this is what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. We're assigning them what they're thinking. And, and, there's a reason people are like, oh, this is my spirit animal. Or there's, I don't know. I think there's a, there's some sort of a, a truth to playing them, or you can find a, a truth in it. I mean, obviously, we need to kind of anthropomorphize them. I'm saying that word right. Yeah, anthrop- yeah, 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 totally. I think so. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I like, I like that, and I, and I, and I like, you know, finding like what is that emotional connection between something that you wouldn't normally think of as having emotions or having a human connection and yet it, it can be a character. I, mm-hmm. I kind of like that. I know it's because I still think there's some truth to it, even though it's not necessarily, this is what you would see every day in your life, which is also awesome and fun to play. You know? Yeah. I just, I also like some of that stuff that's maybe a little more cartoonish as long as it's done with that. Yeah. Uh, emotional grounding. Well, it also like, um, helps you kind of like extend your thinking about, about all the different points of view that are kind of like lurking in your mind somewhere that maybe you're not accessing on a routine basis. Mm -hmm. Like my way of thinking about it is like when you're a kid, before you like know the rules too much of anything, you're constantly in this place where you're trying on different personalities. And and that's why it's so easy for kids to just immediately commit to things and immediately be Batman or immediately be whatever, uh, uh, Robin, Robin, Superman. I used to play, I had a friend when I was a kid, we would play Batman and Robin and, Mm -hmm. and I would always want to be Batman, but then I would immediately feel guilty that I made him Robin. And so then I, I wouldn't, I like, I would always to try to make it up to him. Uh We would play the moments where it wasn't Batman and Robin, but where it was like Uh Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson, (laughs) like, (laughs) like having dinner together or something. Cause it felt more equal to me somehow. Oh, amazing. That's I, I always wanted to be Robin and Luigi and battle cat. Why? With he man. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I liked that. I liked, uh, I liked playing the sidekick. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't know why. And, and I had a younger brother too, but I think he liked playing the hero yeah a younger but but bigger brother yeah and now he's like six foot four yeah yeah that's really interesting yeah i don't know why that is but i I just i always liked the sidekicks it was just more of like a sense of freedom being psychic maybe yeah and i think i think part of it also is like a lot of sidekicks are kind of more surprising yeah you know in a way there's something that uh 
you know, the, a lot of the heroes, it's like, oh, and then the hero does this and it's exactly what you would expect. And there right. he was, yeah. He-Man, Batman, you know, and there's, those are still interesting characters, but like, especially like when you're a kid and like the child version of it, you get that whole story. And I think like with the sidekicks, you almost get to write more of the story yourself sure. in the back of the head you know, yeah. and be like, oh, why is Oh yeah. What's up? Yeah. What's up with Battle Cat? I used to love, I think I've told you this before, like I, I was a really big Incredible Hulk fan when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I used to love playing the Incredible Hulk, but I would play, I had a little Peter Venkman toy that I would uh-huh. use, you know, <laughs> as, as David Banner. And mm-hmm. I would just play as David Banner. Like I would, <laughs> I used to love doing like the boring moments in his life yeah. because in the back of my mind, it was the thing of like, there's the secret that no other character that's interacting with this person knows, Yeah, but I know it. And mm-hmm. so you know that like it could be triggered at any moment. So to me, it actually made it like more tense and more exciting yeah, when he wasn't at any moment. Yeah. yeah. So like it would, it would like literally be like David Banner, like at the bank having to like open a savings account or something would be to me like yeah. the most thrilling thing because like anything could happen whereas once he's the hulk it could only go down from there it's yeah. like he's you know what i mean oh, like, he's gonna break stuff yeah great yeah <laughs> we get it yeah yeah I, there's something that was just kind of like freeing about like oh there's a whole world that this takes place in and, yeah. and the fact that like not everybody in the world knows you know this yeah. this thing is like I, I used to find that really exciting oh that's awesome yeah yeah it's so no. but anyway, no, it's really cool yeah. I think that's, yeah. it's oh, it's funny to think about like I don't know when you're a kid. I, 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 how much of that do you find where like the way that you played when you were a kid is kind of like still part of the way that you play now as a grown up? Um, I, th- I think uh, I think a lot of it's still there to an extent. I, I mean, in a way, I almost want to say I am more open now than I was as a kid. I, don't mm-hmm. know, I, I remember feeling shy as a kid, but I probably wasn't. Yeah, you know, but I f- uh, felt more closed off. But uh, definitely like, you know, those moments when you're like alone and like, what is it that when you're a kid, if you're like playing alone, you're going to do what you want with your toys or just be whatever you want. You know, it's, it's like your voice is coming out and you're not really worried about that judgment from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that now I'd still try to do that or to try to avoid that judgment, you know, from others. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, but now others are involved too, you know, it's like, oh, so. I'm playing with them. They're playing with me. We're not judging each other. Mm-hmm. If judgment comes in, then it's like, oh God, you're yeah. doomed. I, that's, I think, apart from just how good you are as an improviser, I think that's one of the, the things that, that really creates a spirit of confidence to get to play with you. Like, especially like when we do like corporate shows. Mm-hmm. Or short form shows, um, I become terrified. I, I just—it's really? always you in the back of my mind. Yeah. Thank you. Uh-huh. I, I have a beard that covers a lot of my emotions, <laughs> you know. But like, it's a very scary thing for me because it's like always this in my mind. It's always like I'm, a, I'm, I'm a sham. I'm not a real improviser. I always, any I always day. have that. I just think that doesn't everybody in some part of maybe it, not. I don't it, know. I yeah, I would imagine that you must at some point. Yeah. It, 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 there. Yeah, I would imagine for a lot of people that's probably true. But it it it's always really nice to get to do stuff with you because you project this sense of like total lack of judgment and total acceptance of everything that's going on around. And so it makes you once you start playing, you know, that starts to like evaporate inside of you a little bit. You because you're kind of creating the space of like it seems like you're confident in the people around you and then they start to become confident about themselves too, which is a really like 
it's one of the greatest gifts that you can give to to people around you in any situation. But when you're playing, it's that's gold. That's that's what you want. Well, I mean, maybe part of it's that we're with ourselves all the time. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I always think that whatever somebody else is going to say or do, that's way more interesting to me than yeah. what I'm thinking because yeah. I already know what I'm thinking. So right. it's like, oh, whatever saying, that's right, that's great. Oh, awesome, and you know. It's sort of that goes around, comes around thing. So it's like, oh, well, if I'm not judging them. I, they probably won't judge me, right? Or I hope so, you know. And yeah. Then, yeah. Go from there, I guess. Yeah. I, well, I just hate judging people. I hate judgment. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> it bothers me. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever do you ever find yourself make, like having those thoughts? Do, does that thought ever occur to you when you're performing of... of judging? Uh, yeah. Almost, uh, almost always myself, you know. Like yeah. I, that, that's a lot harder for me to get out because I'm like, oh, sh- did I mess up their move or did I, uh, did I say something wrong? Oh, did I just break character? Like, was that not consistent? Um, but the other person, I mean, I usually just assume that they're right. Yeah. You know, and I I guess, yeah, of course it creeps in a little bit sometimes, right. With anybody where if I, uh, yeah, there's little moments, but then I try to remind myself, nope, they're right. You're wrong. Go with them. Go with them. Yeah. How do you keep yourself from, from lingering on those thoughts about yourself? Um, uh, just reminding myself <laughs> that it's annoying to others. <laughs> I think, you know, yeah. that, uh, it's actually, it reminds me of a story when I was in first grade, I would cry every morning before uh-huh. school. I just didn't like going to first grade and my parents were really worried about me and they're like, Hey, uh, I think we're going to have you talk to somebody cause we're worried about you. And I was like, Oh, Oh, this is affecting other people. I'll just stop crying. Huh. And then I never cried the rest of first grade. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah. I think it's, I think I don't want to, I, I don't know. I'm overly concerned with affecting others sometimes. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting because like there's a point at which like that is sort of like a kind of repression, right? right like right, right. you feel the pressure from other people to like not to not express yourself in a way that's authentic to how you're feeling. And so mm-hmm. you hold it back and you repress it, which is obviously a very unhealthy thing and, right, and right. leads to all kinds of, of shit later on or yeah. shit elsewhere. You know what you repress here manifests else, elsewhere right. in all kinds of horrible ways. But that's interesting where there's like also like sort of this healthy way to do it where you just kind of recognize of like, Oh, okay, I'll stop doing that then. No well, problem. Yeah. Well, it's like, and it's, you know, with judgment, that's like one where, letting that out. I don't think or certainly to a certain level, like it's not health. That's not healthy. You yeah. know, like if I'm just like, you're wrong, that's wrong. This is wrong. I'm not filling it in with what's right too. Right. you know? So it's like, it's not that I'm repressing how I feel in other ways. Cause there's also healthy things you, you want to let out there. Like, a, like, Oh, I, I want to let, uh, the joy, you know, I want to let the joy. Like I don't, I don't want to, I feel like I'm rambling now, but, um, yeah. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Like, yeah. it's like, I don't want to, um, if you, it's sort of like if somebody puts an idea out there and right away you're like, that's, that's bad. Mm-hmm. And we judge the idea, that idea will never grow. Mm-hmm. But if somebody throws an idea out there, uh, it, but if you don't throw an idea out there at all, then there's nothing to grow either. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's like, uh, don't, I don't want to repress my ideas or my emotions or my thoughts unless that idea is fear or judgment. Right. But but yeah, that's a good point. Like, why is that? Or what's the difference? You know, there, you know, like there's, there's this idea that like we're in control of the way that we feel, which Mm -hmm. I I think is largely untrue. 
um, the, like whenever a feeling comes up inside of you, yeah. uh, you know, the predominant uh, thing about it is like it wells up and there's nothing I can do about it. You can't, you yeah. know what I mean? Like sadness comes up and it feels like sadness has been imposed on you rather than like, oh, I've chosen sadness. Right. But then I also know for myself, like I have moments where I become irritated where there's like a very clear point where it's like, okay, if I continue to explore this irritation right now, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be in a shitty mood for the rest of the day. Right. If I choose to just ignore it, yeah, I'm going to be in a decent mood in about 30 seconds. You know what? Maybe I guess it's, it's less maybe that we're ignoring it and filling it with something else. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, I can focus on the fact that this person is chewing super loud and that that's driving me bonkers. Or I can try to focus on something else. Because if you try to just ignore something, I guess you are still thinking about it. Very much so. Yeah. You're thinking about a not. You're thinking about yeah. the not it. Exactly. Right? It, it, like you, you're creating this like empty space where it right. is. And that's what you're thinking about right. is this fake empty space. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess when I, it, to, to answer your question after me rambling forever, how do you get rid of the judgment in yourself of other people when you're playing with them is that you feel it you recognize, oh, that's not a good thing. And you fill it with what do I like about what they're doing yeah. or what's exciting about yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. It, to me, it, it has the image of almost like a fork in the road where there are yeah. sometimes it, it's like, I do have a choice right now, which one of these I want to go down. And one of them is clearly in my mind, it's a Disney fork in the road. So one of yeah. them is clearly <laughs> this ugly, scary looking forest. And then one of them is like the nicer path, you know? Yeah. You definitely have those moments where it's like, okay, right now I could choose. Yeah. Uh, um, but then once I go down this road, I'm kind of committed to this road until it, I find, you know, where they come back together again. Yeah. Um, uh, I love that idea of, of just like, oh, that's, uh, uh, annoying to people. So I'll stop. Yeah, doing I don't, that. And again, that was first grade. So yeah. I don't remember the exact psychology behind, but I just remember being like, oh, well, oh, oh yeah, I'll just stop. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's almost just like a, it had become a habit. I think of just crying. I was like, oh, habits. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's another really interesting thing too, of like, I think that you do have a certain amount of control over the kind of habits that, that you're, that you choose to enable. Yeah. You know, like, uh, you can't deny the way that you feel about something, but there, you become like habitually, uh, you have like a habitual style of self-expression and you can choose different choices sometimes. That's actually one thing that's like super interesting too. So going back for a sec to like little kids, yeah, the way that little kids are able to dive in and out of different characters all the time and just, mm-hmm. especially like if you watch little kids who are just like, they just spontaneously begin playing and it's like oh, yeah. nonsense, mm-hmm. but it's just like, there's almost like this like urgent need to constantly be playing and there's a flexibility to them. There's yeah. a flexibility to the way that you're able to think and interact with the world and you try on these different styles of, of coping with problems or coping with situations. Mm-hmm. And then over time you kind of develop those range of coping strategies that seem to work more often than not. Yeah. And you start to kind of limit the stuff that, that falls out to the periphery. You kind of stop exploring. And then the stuff that sort of has tended to work, you erect into like lifelong habits. Right. And so now you've limited yourself down to like this basic character. That's your character that now over time kind of calcifies and becomes like, okay, that's me. Yeah. Uh, um, 
And there's actually something like super interesting about like diving in to be cats or diving in to be a can of soup or diving in to be like whatever uh, that sort of like wears down a little bit at like some of the calcification of that. It just kind of lets in other possibilities. It lets in other possible choices and other possible ways of coping with problems and coping with situations. Um, And so it's interesting that like it, it, in what you're describing, it gives you almost a certain amount of empowerment in the moment to kind of choose not to explore the negative side of it or explore Mm -hmm. the side where you're closing a door on the people that you're playing with and instead explore the side of like, let's do what's going to make you wonderful and not annoy the people around me. I don't know. Now I'm rambling. (laughs) Uh, No, I I think, um, a bunch of what you said, I find very interesting. You know, I, um, I'm lucky enough to get to work with kids a bunch, you know, with yeah. story pirates. And and like you said, they do, they have this flexibility where they can take on these different things. Cause they don't know, uh, who necessarily fully who they are yet. Like they're still discovering and playing. And so there's that, that, uh, looseness to them that you don't see in, uh, in adults. And what's also cool about kids is they're just, uh, because of that, because they don't necessarily know who they are, they assume they can be more, mm-hmm. you know? So if you, t- if you tell a kid like you are a plant, mm-hmm. like he will be like, Oh, maybe I could be a plant. What would that be like? Well, I, what do I know about plants and how do I show that? You know, they just, they, they have less information maybe, but they take whatever information they have and they use it. Um, and the other thing that that is, is interesting about kids is like, they're not, they're not dumber than adults. You know, they're, I think as smart, just like I said, with less information. And so they also sort of have a a, more of a rawness to their emotions. Mm -hmm. They're just more, they're more emotionally honest than most adults. You know, if a kid feels a certain way, they show that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think there's something cool to that too, because then they, they'll assign those emotions to whatever the thing it is that they're playing to. And, 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 ends up being really kind of interesting. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, when you do that, when you're diving into play like a kid on stage, or you're mm-hmm. diving into play a, a, a wolf or something. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, do you like immediately have like access to that emotion? I don't know if that question makes sense. Uh, um, do you, this is a really stupid question, but are you kind of deciding on a back line on a point of view or does your body snap you into the, that? The body, the body does it, you know, yeah. you, you change, I think when you change your physicality, you just naturally feel different. Yeah. And, uh, and when you look at your scene partner, you, you know, you get a sense of what that chemistry is. And yeah. so I'm standing this way and it's making me feel this way and they're this far away from me and looking at me in this way. And therefore Oh, I feel like this way about them. It's sort of like, uh, it's not the, I, I don't like to decide before I get in or else that, you know, it's easy to go into writer brain, mm-hmm. which I don't think is good. It's, I think it's more fun to kind of be there in the moment and be like, Oh, what's going to happen. Um, but I might decide like, just like a physical gift, you know, or like change something about my face and then see what I'm getting from my scene partner and we'll, we'll follow it yeah. from there. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, it's almost just like, um, I do think that it's sort of like kids where it's like you're making your emotions raw. They're just a little, a little closer. It's like, it's almost like just, I, I feel like it's making myself more sensitive. You know, it's sort of like, uh, God, not to talk about another weird thing, but you know, you know, pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the cell, like how someone sells something in pro wrestling is 
everything. And it's, it's cause you know, you don't want to actually injure someone, but what they're doing is they're just making things look like and f- feel like they are bigger than they are. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like doing that with your emotions or with a moment. And I, I don't mean like going into melodrama. Like it's not like oh, I'm going to make what you said the most important thing mm-hmm. in the world. Oh, Oh, what? There's no butter in the fridge? No, no. Like that's, you know, that's melodrama. That's like too far, but it's still like just bringing the emotions like a little bit closer to the surface. Yeah. Is I guess how I like to think of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. How how do you do that? How do you do it? Yeah. How do you do it? How do I? Oh, yeah. How do you do it? If that is even an answerable question, if it even is something that you do. Yeah. Uh, I guess I just try to get rid of some of those things like uh, we were talking about earlier in terms of worrying what other people think, you yeah. know, like, cause I do naturally think, Oh, is this okay? Uh, yeah. is this okay. Oh, maybe I'll just not do anything. All right. right. So it's fine. So it's sort of like in that moment being like, well, it, it doesn't matter. I can now do whatever I feel fully, yeah. you know? So if it's like you're fired, like I can now be like, you know what? You're a prick. Yeah. You're an asshole of a boss. And like, that's, okay in this situation. Whereas if I did that in the real world, it's like you're fired, but Oh, okay. You know, which is also interesting and understandable. And that's like another thing, but one thing I like about improv is you get to let go a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know? So I guess it's just allowing yourself in those moments to feel however you want or your character wants. Yeah. There. Um, it's interesting. Like, I forget where I read it, but somebody was saying of like, if you ask a room full of kids who are under seven years old, uh, mm-hmm. who in the room can draw, who in the room can, can play music, all their hands go, all up. their hands go. Yeah. Up. And then it, uh, if you ask the same thing of 14 year olds or anybody after 14, one year old, hand. You, you hold back immediately. Yeah. And even people who, who are talented at either of those things oftentimes will not like fess up to that or own to it. You yeah. just kind of learn over time to you start to know too much as you get older you start to you kind start of like to compare yourself to other people too much too yeah totally and to yourself too like yeah. that's an interesting thing that that you notice as an improviser is like if you look at like a level 1 student a, a lot of times there's this whatever like skills are not in place mm-hmm. there's this simplicity and authenticity to mm-hmm. what people will do in a level 1 class that's like exciting yeah and you kind of know, and it's like, oh, you're never going to get that back. Because what <laughs> happens is level two and level three, even if they haven't seen a ton of improv and even if they don't have a ton of improv experience, they're already measuring themselves up against the stuff that they've done in the previous couple yeah. of lessons, uh, levels that have worked. And now they're creating this like artificial limitation. It's the same thing of yeah. like you stop playing all the range of characters that are there and you start just repeating the ones that work and then it calcifies into these habits. Right. You measure yourself up against other people. You measure yourself up against your own past uh, behaviors. Sure. And, and, st- and the, the feeling of those past behaviors too. So even if you're technically doing it better, you, it might not feel as good. And then you're like, oh, right. it doesn't feel like that first time. Right, yeah. exactly. And so now that becomes like a little, you close the door on that. Well, yeah. let's not do that again. You know, you, you, you start to create uh, um, a little bit of like a, a, a safety net for yourself. I know that this range of choices is going to protect me. Yeah. I know that I'm not going to look like an asshole if I play in this basic range, which 
it, to me is very similar to saying who in the room can draw. Yeah. I'm not going to raise my hand because uh, I don't want to look like an asshole when I have to prove it. When the question isn't, I, I, I can't play a lawyer. I've never played a lawyer right, before. Right. I'm not going to step out in the scene. Yeah. Exactly. So there's something like unbelievably liberating about, um, just embracing that idea again of like, sure, I can do whatever. Yeah. One of the most ex- exciting moves that someone made recently it was Alex Marino during Kiss Punch Palm uh, came up to a character Quentin was playing. Quentin was in this kissing booth mm-hmm. uh, where nobody wanted to kiss him. And Alex comes up. He's like, I'll give you a million dollars if you make love to a long war. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell does that mean? But then we, I was like, I, but because of that, I was like, let's find out. So yeah. we like, you know, cut to it and we played a war and Quentin had sex with it. And it was, I don't know, to me, super interesting. Cause it is that thing of like, why not? Why not? And, yeah. it, and it's, you know, if it gets obviously too far down the, why not? We can be anything. Then there's, there's no grounding in reality. You know? yeah. And then it's like, Oh, well now I can't connect to it at all. Right. You know, so it's what, what is that balance? But I, th- I yeah, I guess I do like seeing when it goes way out there sometimes. Yeah. That's that. Like one thing I talk about in classes sometimes is, mm-hmm. is like, uh, craziness and, yeah. and, and how like improvisation has, will tend to crazy more often than it won't. If you just kind of let mm-hmm. something go long enough, it will eventually get crazy. Yeah. But there's a huge difference in watching something arrive at craziness yes. versus imposing craziness on it. And a lot of right. times people will impose craziness as a means of being interesting, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, um, I'm farting a lot today. Right. Yeah. Right. Which may get you a laugh or two, but it it doesn't. The thing is, it's like when you start with something that's not crazy, when you start Mm -hmm. with something that is emotionally engaging and has a logic to it and you understand the thinking of the characters in the situation, Mm -hmm. as they eventually arrive at a place that's completely insane, we follow them every single step of the way. Yeah. It comes naturally. Yeah. And so you end up at, you end up logically arriving at an illogical place yeah. or rationally ending up at a completely irrational place. And the, the thing that it does to your brain is something that I think is very similar to the way that your brain is working when you're a kid before mm-hmm. you really know the rules of how things operate. It just, there's more flexibility all of a sudden there's more space. There's more possibility to entertain all kinds of bizarre thoughts that like yeah. our grown up brain starts kind of editing out, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, there's, yeah, and there's like a there's a big difference between initiating a scene as a cat and in your mind, that's what's weird. That's funny. Right. I'm a cat, so that's funny. It's like, meow, like I'm a cat. It's like that's only going to get you so far, whereas if you are going from that small place, it's like, okay, I'm a cat, but uh, playing it more grounded, like oh, I don't want to go outside. Right. You know, that's, that's a more interesting cat. Like the fact that a human is playing a cat, isn't in and of itself that interesting, I don't think, you yeah. know, but if they're instilling humanity into that cat, yeah. then it is interesting. Human cat, not interesting. Humanity, like human experience in a cat to me, I guess is. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you think at all about like, cause even the way that you phrase that of like, I don't want to go outside. Yeah. Do you think in terms of wants and goals and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. This is something that's been on my mind a lot recently. Yeah. Intentions and wants and desires. Does that like enter into your conscious thinking when you're playing? Sure. Yeah. And I think that, um, 
if you, you still need to be like flexible with them. If you force it too much, a scene can get really one dimensional. Yeah. You know, if I come in and I'm like, I want Doritos and then someone's like, no, you can't have them. Like, well, I want them. And you can, you try all the different ways to get Doritos, but maybe the, it's just not that interesting that yeah. you want Doritos or it's like, I want Doritos. Then you get Doritos. It's like, great. I want more Doritos, yeah. you know? Uh, but if you, if you have a want, a lot of times there'll be a deeper want under it mm-hmm. or, um, or the want will come out naturally. And then I think that, I think that's like, it's a nice way to play. And you know, if, cause if you have a want, then your character has something to behave towards. It mm-hmm. can make it, it can make it feel like the scene is moving. Mm-hmm. But if you, if it's too forced, then it's like, it can just get really one dimensional. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah. this weird balance. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that's, I think where like the artistry comes in is like feeling in that moment, how much to put in, how much to yeah. pull back from it, how much it's like, okay, Doritos isn't quite enough. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like I want Doritos. Um, but I also want your attention. Yeah. Look, look at me eat the Doritos. Exactly. Wait, look, look at this Dorito. You ever do that when you were a kid with like animal uh, crackers uh, and you had to like show oh, yeah. the animal crackers to people? Sure. I had this weird superstition where it's like I couldn't eat the cracker unless an adult saw which cracker I was about to eat. And if yeah. they didn't look at it, I just had to put it down and wait. Yep. I don't know why. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I had the, a similar thing with bugles where if I didn't make them a claw first. Yeah. Wouldn't eat it. That's interesting. You can't just eat a bugle normally. You can't yeah. eat an animal cracker normally. Yeah. I used to, uh, uh, I would imagine I would like make tea sometimes. I hate yeah. tea. I still hate tea. Really? Yeah. I don't, mm. I don't like it. But I used to make tea just specifically to dip the bag into the cup of tea. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that it was the French Revolution and the reign of terror. <laughs> and that it was like extorting uh, wow. uh, like secrets out of uh, uh, like wow. aristocrats, like dunking them into the boiling water. Yeah. That's just what your mind does. That's it, awesome. It, it, well, let's go back to like anthropomorphizing <laughs> yeah, things, yeah. you know. Um, it's just kind of what me- metaphors in general, right? They're exactly. That's all you're doing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I play a game sometimes in class that that I really like. I call it instant simile, and I just have everybody go around in a circle, and everyone has oh. to volunteer like an object, like a cup of coffee. And then the goal of the game is as many people as possible have to step into the center and fill out the phrase, I'm like a cup of coffee because, oh. and then fill out that reason why, because I'll keep you up all night. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, like right. um, whatever. Uh um, it's just like, I like that game a lot because it, again, cause I'm a very literal thinker. And so I find that it helps me start to kind of create a little yeah. bit of like space in my brain and a little bit of, I don't know, like empathy is exactly the word, but I definitely start to like consider other people's points of view when I play that game. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, um, going back for a second. Sure. Uh, cause you were saying that it's like that distinction between being like totally open and totally accepting. Mm-hmm but also being in a place where you're kind of so accepting where things aren't moving. You have to do something. You have to like take an action for, you know, like you can't, you can't hold yourself back from acting on stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, um, what kind of, how do you lead in a scene? How much of an idea do you go into at any given time? How much do you rely on ideas? What would like, what is your, what gets you into it? What immerses you in a scene? That's like a, a stupid start, question. Starting a scene? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and once you start, like what keeps you involved in it? Where does your mind go to keep you like locked into like really being in it? Um, I think it, it definitely depends on uh, what type of show or form, you know, like um, with trike, a lot of times I just can't, I, it's the scenes are changing so fast and so immediately. And you're just on stage the whole time that you can't really, 
you don't have an opportunity to think too much. So it's, it's just giving yourself a little gift, like a physicality Mm -hmm. or a noise maybe coming out of the other scene or, uh, something that was quickly mentioned, like, Oh, we're watching this TV show. Boom. Now we're going to cut and we are the TV show. So it's like just those little seeds and most of it, I think physicality, like how am I, how am I standing? How does that make me feel? What's going on between me and my scene partner? Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, there's, there's other, you know, other forms like, uh, like kiss punch or, um, the Armando where you're taking something from a, a story or a poem and it's like you, you are coming in with something like some element. And I think usually it's just sort of, if I sort of sort of think of like your improv utility belt, like to go back to Batman mm. Robin, I guess. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, which thing are you picking from your tool belt? Are you going to pick, uh, an emotion? Are you going to pick a want? Are you going to pick, um, a, a full scenario, you know, which sometimes that's great. And sometimes that's hard. I usually don't like to start with like a full scenario. Cause then I'll start writing. Mm-hmm. Like I start to think this is the, and this is the next thing that should happen. And the next thing should happen. It's like, personally, I, th- I think I do better if I pick just something little, but something uh, that has some element of relationship between the two people. Like yeah. you're making me feel a certain way. Yeah. Or you just did this to me. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Hey Pat. Yeah. Uh, um, hi, Pat. Who is Sorry, that? Pat, Pat, Pat May just poked his head Pat in. Pat May? So I said, hey. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Pat May. Uh, Great guy. Hey, he is a good guy. Mm-hmm. I, um, have you ever read uh, um, Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain? Uh, it's pretty good. It's interesting. It, well, it, you know, you shouldn't do anything you don't want to do. Don't do anything you don't want to do. read it. It, it it sort of goes back to like that idea of like when you're a kid, you sort of feel like you can draw and then you grow up and mm-hmm. you feel like you can't. Um, but one of the exercises in the book, it, it has you uh, draw um, a portrait, but the portrait's upside down, you know, so you're drawing this upside down face and then when you're done, you turn it around. Oh. And um, statistically, uh, more often than not, people find that when they turn it upside down, it's actually surprisingly a surprisingly accurate image of the original face. Whereas for a lot of people, if you're given the right side up portrait to have to copy, it doesn't really look anything like the face. Huh. And the reason that it gives in the book is because when your brain recognizes the face, it goes, she, she calls it L mode, R mode. It's supposed to like left and right brain, but uh-huh. she calls it L mode and R mode because, um, like scientifically, it's not exactly accurate to say left brain, right brain. So right. it's just it's more of like a um, a useful fiction than it is like a scientific. Okay. Okay. Um, when your brain recognizes the face, you go into L mode and you start drawing what you know. Whereas when you turn it upside down to your brain, uh, it's too much work to organize that picture into something meaningful. Uh-huh. There's no meaning attached to it. And so it stops trying to fill in what you know, and your hand just starts drawing what you see in front of you. So when you turn it upside down, you actually have a very accurate face. Huh. Um, that's what I think is happening when you go into writer mode in shows. Uh, you have this idea and you know what should happen in the scene. And uh-huh. suddenly there's this feeling the magic isn't quite there because instead of playing out yeah. the, I don't want to use the word energy, but instead of like letting the scene move of its own accord. Yeah. yeah you're like, you're forcing it. It's yeah. you're not, you're not as uh, open. You're not, you know, like that looseness of emotion, whatever it is, just that being present, you're not there anymore. Cause you're in the future, Yeah, you know, yeah. or you're in the past, you know, you're judging like, well, why didn't it go this way? Right. Like I thought we were going here and why, but now, so yeah, anytime you get too far there, yeah, it just it stops being inspired. It lacks a 
play to it. It's yeah. not play anymore. It's it it again. It goes back into. It's more of a protective behavior yeah. of sort of showing off what you know and showing off what you can do, rather than the yeah. freedom of of playing and letting it move forward. Yeah, um, that, that it will be enough. That just there it is. This yeah, is enough. Yeah, yeah. It it you know like. Um, it also puts you like in this headspace where you're not prepared to commit yourself to anything unless you have a certain guarantee in your own mind that this is going to work. Yeah. Whereas like a lot of times in the best shows, it, you're committing before you exactly know uh, uh, what direction you're facing. Even you just kind of like yeah. have this one lifeline in the scene that, you know, I was like, I'm going to keep on doing this thing. This yeah. thing is keeping me involved. You know, just give yourself like a little behavior, a little, whatever it is. So yeah. that there's something going on. So then you're not just, projecting uh blank improviser every right. scene you yeah. know which then then every scene in improv would just be two blank improvisers yeah which would be really boring i want to ask you this because you do a lot of acting work too uh um america may know you as uh, senor oh, sour oh uh yep yeah. Uh, can we talk, can I talk about that or is that uh, not, not I like, think okay. So. okay. I think it's okay. Okay. You, but you've done like, you've done commercial work and, and mm-hmm. you know, like you, you do scripted acting as well. Sure. The same easiness and, uh, um, enthusiasm and, and delightfulness and calm and confidence, like everything that's wonderful about you as an improviser is equally wonderful about you as an actor, as a scripted actor. Uh, you're being too nice. I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I don't think right. I am. I, uh, um, like we worked on a project a couple of years ago where we were writing a bunch of, of short commercials for this company. It was a really oh, fun yeah. project. Super fun. Um, quirky. Quirky. Yeah. Great company. Uh, yeah. check them out. Quirky.com. Yep. I think uh, the commercials are still up on the I think they're website. still up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's a bunch of like really funny ones in there. Yeah. Um, we must have come up with like 20 that the mm-hmm. conversation around the table was like, Oh, Nick and Ellis, no problem. Uh, uh-huh. Nick will do something funny here. No problem whatsoever. Uh, the Thor one is like one that comes oh, to me. It's, like, it's like perfect. I think that was just from a dumb joke that I had told Peter before. Yeah. I was like, I'm Thor. The God? No. From exercising <laughs> yeah. my muscles. It's just really stupid. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. 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 It, it made for a really great commercial. Um, um, now I find like on the handful of times that I've gone in for anything scripted, I'd have no training in it. I, mm-hmm. I have no experience in it. Um, I like it, but it feels really different. I find my brain has a tendency as soon as I'm handed something to go into L mode kind of thinking. Yeah. Uh, um, is there anything that you do to like, because there's a, a continuity to the way that you play that I find like, Oh, it's not always an easy cut. Like you think it's like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a solid improviser that just carries forward to other stuff, but it doesn't always. No. And, and honestly, uh, if I go in for something and there's a ton of lines, it's very easy for me to click into, got to get these lines, right? Oh yeah. my gosh. What are the lines? And I, I've never had success anytime my brain is there. Yeah. If I'm worried about the lines at all. Um, what I try to do uh, with, with that and it, cause it's, you know, obviously there's some things that are the same and some things that are different, but I think what, what matters and what people are looking for is the same in terms of that emotion and the character and that connection. I try to memorize, not by memorizing word for word, but by trying to get the sense of what each line is, mm-hmm. you know, and then, um, and then you, you know, you read it through word, word and then you put it down and you sort of 
half improvise it, you know, with your own lines and getting the sense. And then you pick up the script again and you read it again. And then you, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I struggle with that stuff too in terms of like, if you're ever worried about the right thing to say or what exactly you have to say, it's, it's hard. It's yeah. really hard. So I think it's more just sort of like making it your own. And in that case with like scripted stuff, it's just the repetition. Cause you, you know, you have to, but I, I like improv so much more than scripted cause, yeah. cause it's, I don't know, for me, sometimes it just starts to get boring to do the same thing. Yeah over and over again, you know, it's like, oh, great. These words again today. There's like a pleasure when you're doing scripted stuff, there's a pleasure in nailing it. Yeah. Like there, there's a pleasure in getting it right. And that it's the kind of pleasure that you don't really experience when you're improvising. Mm-hmm. Um, having like perfected a moment and kind of like nailed it down to like, okay, this now plays. You, 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 yeah. You've polished it and gotten it really good. Yeah. But the sum total experience is not nearly as just full of like constant enjoyment of the process. Whereas like improv when it's really good Mm -hmm. feels like there's just like a constant sense of enjoyment of the doing of it. Even when it's not funny, it's that feeling of enjoyment. Yeah. It's like enjoyment and connection and just like all these things coming together. And it's like, Oh, I feel like me and my scene partner are connected because we just created this thing together and me and whatever character who's not a real person but that I was playing like I feel like I see a new point of view and a new side of myself like you were saying with the kids where it's like now I'm this too amazing yeah you just you get that it's like an explosion yeah that's interesting yeah. that you say that too because like uh, um uh, that's also been very true to my experience it's not there there's a level where you're connecting with the scene partner yeah there's that level where you're connecting with the audience, mm-hmm. which is just an unbelievable feeling. Yeah. But then there's also that level where you're connecting with the character that you're playing. Yeah. There are some characters that you don't quite connect with. Then there are some where I don't know if it's almost like you just channel them. From, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It, it, for me, it's this thing of like, suddenly I just, this like thought pops into my head. Like, Oh, I know exactly what I think about this other person yeah. that, that, you know, like I'm playing opposite you. I, Oh, mm-hmm. suddenly I know exactly what I think about Nick. And all of a sudden it's like, I don't have to think about another thing for the rest of this show. Yeah. I, it, it, I just, I know what this character is thinking. And so I just let the character take it away. It, and it's a really hard thing to describe. Right. Uh, or to exactly kind of guide people into like how to repeat that more mm-hmm. often than not. But it's like unmistakable when it happens. Yeah. It's just like the, it, it, it is almost like magic, yeah. you know, in a way, where, but it's, it, I, yeah, I think it's just that, that changing that behavior and all of a sudden it's just so comfortable and whatever it is, that spark, that one door in your brain opens and every other door is so clear. It's like, oh, this is, this is exactly what to do, but it's not right. You're not writing it. Yeah. You know, you're not like, oh, I, I know who this, I know who this person is. Yeah. Therefore, this is how the scene should go. It's, oh, I know who this person is. So it's anything right anything can happen yeah yeah because i'm gonna i'm just gonna be this because it feels like i'm this yeah yeah there um there's a, a mick napier quote that i've been really enjoying recently he he described improvisation as the art of um i'm like paraphrasing mm-hmm. the art of uh, not knowing what you're about to say or do and being okay with that mm-hmm. and uh to me, the most important part of that quote is, and being okay with that. There's yeah. something about that idea because like inevitably you find yourself on stage at that place where it's like, I don't know exactly what's next or, or, you know, like whatever it is. Right. But there's something so warm about that feeling of like, I'm okay with that. That's okay. 
that actually gives yeah. you permission for like any next thing to be fine. You know what I mean? Like any mm-hmm. moment becomes more of an opportunity to find what you're about. Yeah. Just going along with that idea of also uh, being okay with it. Another thing that I, I noticed hard for a lot of people and, and for me sometimes I think I'm better than I was, but like after a bad show also just being okay with, or, you know, like being okay with not just whatever's going to happen, but also with whatever has happened. Yeah. Cause I, I, I know that's really hard for people sometimes is to not just be like, it's like, ah, I felt bad about that. Uh, uh, and just like stewing on it when really it's like, okay, well it happened. Yeah. It's over. I'm okay with that. Yeah. And now I'm okay with whatever's going to happen next. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's painful and it's embarrassing. Yeah, it is. It is. It's tough. Yeah. When you fuck up, when you're improvising, you fuck up in front of a room full of people. Yeah. And you can't take it back. It, they saw you fuck it up. They saw yeah. you drop the ball. Yeah. And you know, you usually fuck up when all your students decide to come on out and see you that night. Sure. That, you or, know what I mean? Or, like, or your uh, whole extended family. Right. Who you're afraid of saying something weird in front of. Yeah. Right. Sure. So it's, it's a really embarrassing feeling and mm-hmm. it, like, it makes sense why you want to linger on it, but that's also like, it's a serious trap because mm-hmm. the, lingering on it gives you this illusion of control over it. It gives you this illusion of like, well, if I think hard enough about this, then you're going into L mode too, right? Like you're, exactly. Yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to protect myself from ever doing this again, but you protect yourself from doing it again by closing the door on a whole line of possible choices. And it actually makes it like yeah. your next show. It may not, show but over the course of time within the next couple of months you're going to start to be seriously limited as an improviser and it comes entirely out of like um in all these subtle ways you've replaced the freedom of play with like rituals to prevent yourself from being embarrassed again yeah it's a really interesting thing because everybody grapples with it Mm -hmm. and in that moment it it hurts and there's such a strong temptation to want to uh, um, uh, keep on to want to make it go away instead of just letting it go. Yeah. And it's, it's really, usually it's not that bad. Yeah. You know, like remember my uh, freshman year of college, I got asked to MC a show uh, last minute. And it was scripted. Like we tried to write jokes in a couple hours to do, but it was a dance show between these dance numbers and uh, me and this other guy just got booed off stage mercilessly Mm -hmm. by like 350 people. And it felt terrible. You know, I was like, Oh my God, I'll never perform again. This was, this was why, why would anyone subject themselves to this? This was horrible. This was humiliating. And then, you know, within a day, no one was even really talking about it anymore. Yeah. It was over. That was it. Like the scars still there a little bit, but also, it's sort of like, well, if you can get booed off stage mercilessly, yeah. you know, short of like a physical fight or uh, saying something as a human being, you know, that it's like, whoa, that dude's real racist right. or messed up. You know, like right. yeah. it, just failing at a performance or especially improv, it's like, it's just not, it's not that bad. Yeah. You know? And, well, not only that, but like there's something valuable to take from it too. Should mm-hmm. you want to, um, because like in a way, and this is going to sound so pompous. No, no, but it's like your failures, your success in a way, or, yeah. like, or you learn like, Oh, well I can see this is why it happened. And now I won't do that. Or for yeah, sure. yeah, for sure. Or, or even like, okay, I'm down and then I'm up again yeah, and then I'm down and then I'm up again. Mm-hmm. It's like a little tiny microcosm of like a much bigger picture, you know, mm-hmm. The world of pretend for a little kid is like a stop down version of 
real life to the best of their knowledge. Mm-hmm. And the world of pretend for us grownups who who do it in front of audiences, it's still the same thing. It, it, it's silly and it's crazy and it's meant to be funny for the most part. Um, but it's also like a stop down version of the much bigger picture of, of real life that like yeah. life slaps you in the face a bunch. And you know what I mean? Like yeah. you learn a little bit of resiliency of like, okay, you know what I mean? Get back up, keep on going because mm-hmm. you know that if you try to just prevent yourself from ever making that mistake again, you end up in a tighter and tighter sense of self-control until eventually right. there's no play left in you there's no there's no adaptability Uh you know which to me like play and adaptability and like intelligence confronting a situation with your eyes open and kind of responding to it intelligently and spontaneously all go hand in hand so when you replace play with with these habits that are designed to protect you from fucking it up yeah you're actually limiting the amount of intelligence that you're bringing to a situation you're using less intelligence. You know what I mean? Like you might be using a certain amount of cleverness to stave off uh, uh, um, what you don't want to happen, but intelligence requires something more than just cleverness. You know what I mean? Like, Certainly. Yeah. I don't know. That, now I'm rambling and making no, 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 sense. no. It makes total sense. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, I want to talk really quickly to just going back for a sec to like uh, um, MCing. Oh, okay. Um, because. So, like, my biggest fear, probably, my nightmare audience would be, like, Mm -hmm. a bachelorette party. Bachelorette party? That would probably be my nightmare audience. Okay. Um, I say that because I've performed for bachelorette parties. Yeah. Bachelor parties don't seem to come around to do improv shows. I'm sure they probably do somewhere. (laughs) But, like, an audience of people for whom my first thought is, these people don't want to see me. These people will never think I'm funny or entertaining. This is going to be a nightmare. And you are as cool as a cucumber. And not only that, like you delight audiences like that. Like you have a really amazing ability to connect with people. I mean, not just bachelor parties, but like Mm -hmm. audiences in general, you're exceptionally good at connecting with them and making people feel welcome and making people feel taken care of and making people feel like we're all kind of in it together. Mm -hmm. Um, You're a great host. Uh, and a great MC, and I know that you have to do a certain amount of that in Story Pirates too, where like mm-hmm. you're interacting with kids a lot. You know, like yeah. I'm curious what your thoughts are on 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 your relationship with an audience, whether it be kids or sure. bachelorettes or just a general comedy audience. Um, I guess I I think I have been lucky to perform for a lot of different types of groups. You know, right. like doing a Story Pirates show for a school full of kids, and uh, doing uh, a show like called Awesome Eighties Prom where my job was to entertain the bachelorette parties and stuff like that. Like it, it is. It, and I guess what I, um, the way I approach it is it's, it's sort of like each time you get to perform for an audience that's different than the audience you normally do. It's sort of, it's, it is in and of itself a, a fun new experience yeah. to me. Like yeah. it's like, Oh, whoa, this is already different. What is this? And trying to pick up what is the energy that they're giving, but also just, you know, this part of your brain that's like, Oh, I'm going to show them what's so cool about this. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, sometimes, and it is scary cause you don't want an audience. that's like sitting there like, we don't want to, we don't want to like this. Right. We don't want to be entertained. But if you, if you just do what you do and you sort of like read that energy, like, Oh, what, like, what, what is this? What is they're They're going to give you a suggestion. What's the suggestion? You know, just whatever you like, take that seed and then let it grow. But it, yeah, it's sort of like, and you know, you can feel that you feel like an energy from, 
the audience, not to get too like hip, hippie, they'd be like, oh, the energy, you know, but you, you do, you feel yeah. it, you know, you kind of get a sense of where people are at. So it's sort of like feeding off of that and thinking what, what do they need to get them to a certain place or what are they already giving me? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. One thing that's fun about playing for kids is that, uh, they're not, maybe not fun, but interesting. It's like, you have to put up that filter of don't swear, Yeah, you know, which yeah. I think is interesting. Cause that in some ways can be limiting or feel limiting, yeah. but then actually generally will open up some interesting other responses. Yeah. I feel like short form games can kind of be the same thing too, where like, here's this rule and it's like, how loose can you be in that rule? Yeah. I kind of got off topic, I guess. No, yeah, no, I actually find limiting cursing incredibly helpful. Yeah. Um, cause then you have to find better ways to communicate that curse yeah. without like putting it into words. I like, um, it's like sex stuff on stage. A lot of times, mm-hmm. like I'm not like prudish about it, but a lot of times it, it feels off to me when I see people just going right into something that's like sexually explicit. Yeah. It doesn't feel right. Uh, um, it's so direct that to me it sort of feels like you're missing all of this comic potential by just going right into like sucking a dick or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's like, it's the dancing around that it's finding a way to get to it without saying it that Uh actually brings out all this behavior that can be so fun and so enjoyable to like watching people have to charm their way into that stuff is normally so delightful. Yeah. Whereas like sex itself isn't that interesting. It's kind of the same yeah, for the most well, part, you know, right? For the most, yeah, for the most part. But the lead up, like, yeah, for the most part, yeah. The lead up and the aftermath are both usually like gold lines, yeah. You know, uh, um, and there is something similar of like you can't curse or you have the limitation of a game put on you, and it's the way that you have to use that limitation that brings out like such great material. Um, um, uh. So going back for a second to like yeah. reading that feel of like what does this audience need? How do I how do I yeah. connect with these people? So how does that sort of adjust, if it does, the, your approach to playing for them? Um, that might be too general. No, no. I think, you know, I, I think there's definitely, you know, that feeling of here's my scene partner and I'm connected with them. I'm listening to them. What are they giving me? And I guess it's also just sort of thinking, um, you're also listening to the audience. You know, you don't want to pander and you right. don't want to over listen to them. But I, I do think there's moments where it's like, oh, I... It sounds like just based on the fact that you had to hold for this moment for whatever laugh, like that they're into this, like, what if we kind of follow that a little bit or, um, or it seems like they're, I feel like they're not engaged in this and that doesn't necessarily mean laughter, but it feels like you can feel them Mm -hmm. sort of shuffling or whatever it is. So it's sort of the same way that you are, uh, connecting with your scene partner in terms of you're looking at them and you're thinking, okay, what am I getting from them? What is this moment in the space? In the same way you're thinking about yourself, like, oh, how do I feel? What is this physicality? You're also that audience is there. You know, they're they're giving you sound and movement yeah. as well. And so it's sort of trying to just trying to let that in in a way that doesn't close off you from your scene partner. Right. So it's it's everyone together. Yeah. I guess is kind of how I like to think of it. There it's interesting in like when you're playing opposite somebody in a scene mm-hmm. and you feel that even if they're not doing a lot, but you feel that you have their full attention, yeah, you become better. You become smarter. 
uh, 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 you become more specific. It, it's an amazing feeling to be embraced by the full attention of somebody. Yeah. And it's the same thing with a crowd of people. Like you can totally feel when there's a unified attention and when yeah. there's a fractured attention, you can, you can see, feel when it's, when it's 50 different people versus when it's one audience. Right. And also, because we were talking about earlier too, in terms of that fear of judgment, mm-hmm. it is interesting because a lot of times audiences are coming and they maybe are going to judge you, yeah. you know, but it's almost, I think you almost have to just trick yourself into thinking that there's no judgment. There. Yeah. They're here because they want to see you. You yeah. know, it's like thinking of it that way. Uh, because it's the same thing with an improviser. If you step on stage with another improviser and you're thinking he's going to judge me, mm-hmm. you're, you can't be you, you can't let go, you know, or if you are judging yourself internally. So it's like kind of thinking of them less as, Oh, they're judging me and more like, Oh, they're a part of this too. They came for a reason. They yeah. want to see this. Like, yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, it's interesting because I sat in on trike, uh, um, a couple of times. Yeah. I sat in once with you and I sat in once with Peter. Mm-hmm. I heard that show was amazing. People it was it. really fun. Yeah, That's, yeah. I'm glad yeah, to hear yeah. that. It was a really, really fun show. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I learned something highly valuable actually having played with you, mm-hmm. uh, for when I played with Peter. Cause when I played with you that first time, mm-hmm. I was very self-conscious about, I didn't want to let you down and I didn't want to let trike <laughs> down. And, but it, I ended up, I think, uh, uh, doing exactly what I didn't want to do because I didn't feel like I was playing like me. I, I didn't want to let you down. Interesting. You know, I th- yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, we weren't, we weren't playing to the top of our potential cause I think we were worried about it. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, what I took from that when I played with Peter that second time was mm-hmm. okay, fuck it. Yeah. doesn't make a difference. And it was it, 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 a completely different experience in that sense of like, freedom it didn't feel yeah. it didn't feel like i was standing in a cramped room it felt like okay we're we're good so that's a really valuable thing too of like even that little tiny idea that sneaks in of like oh i don't want to let this other person down right means that you automatically begin blocking out certain choices yeah. that are probably going to be really wonderful are they going to like this okay right yeah right and the other thing that, that that's interesting with sitting in on shows and like guesting with other teams that maybe aren't yours is that it's easy for that to creep in there. Like I yeah. feel like anytime I sit down on a new show, I'm like, well, I want to do what you guys do. Yeah. So then I'll find myself maybe sitting back more or not being as aggressive. It's well, if you're a part of that cast or that performance, it's a, it's a different thing. Yeah. You know, it, it is its own thing, especially, especially with, you know, two profits, like that's going to be, it's, it's a different show. Yeah. We shouldn't try to do the same show it's totally like, yeah you, you can't it, it it's you impossible that's there yeah All, you're doing an imitation of something that you kind of vaguely have an idea about in your head and so mm-hmm. it's always going to be pale it's always not going to be full technicolor yeah you guys you and peter are immensely popular and um uh you know like i think like more people who who don't normally see improv but are coming out for a night on the town to see something really high quality more people will tend to come to see you guys play than other shows that might be on the schedule and i noticed that both times that i sat in of like i looked out and was like oh these are well-dressed beautiful (laughs) people uh on their phones uh you know and like i had to suppress that thought of like they don't want to see me i i'm not you know they they want it they do well it turned out to be just fine yeah do you ever get that do you ever like look out and have that do you ever have to like choose the fork in the road that suggests, okay, these people, I could right now go down the path of like, I'm not enough for these people. Or I can go down the path of like, these people are here to have a good time. And so am I, and we're going to do it together. Constantly. And where I have more troubles, if I see somebody that 
also improvises who I think is like, Oh my gosh, they're, Oh, they're so amazing. Right. They never see this. And Oh, Oh, are they going to be, that's where I worry about it the most. And yeah. I have the hardest time adjusting, yeah. you know, um, crowd of strangers. I'm like, well, it doesn't go well. I'm not going to see him again. Probably. Yeah. Cause they're not going to like it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely. There's that moment of like, Oh, they're there. Uh, I got to block that out. You know, like, or they're just a part of the, the unit that is the audience. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, uh, when you make that connection with people, like I, I, as much as I'm like sharing like my like insecurities about it, mm-hmm. I would also say that I love hosting shows. Oh yeah. Yeah. I really enjoy it. And, and, um, there is that sense sometimes where like, you're kind of like connecting with people individually. You mm-hmm. kind of like get that first big rise from, from the crowd and it's like, okay, they're paying attention to me. They're going to let me kind of like explore whatever I'm going to talk about for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Every now and again, you get those feelings. I guess it's like what a football player must kind of feel where it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, there's an opening. I can like run yeah. through that opening. And it's just like, Oh, it's the greatest feeling of like having been give permit, been given permission by a room full of people to like, go, go, yeah, go. go for it. Yeah, yeah, there it is. You know, like, yeah. a, 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 again, it just comes back to this idea of like creating a space where you're giving permission to other people to succeed, do it, mm-hmm. go, you know, like be yourself and, and let it out. And, and that sort of becomes like the magic chemistry in the room that allows for all this wonderful stuff to occur. Yeah. Just uh, letting yourself be open enough to that. And then you're like, Oh, they like, yeah. 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 Yeah, totally. And, 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 aiming to be the kind of person who's always looking to take care of that for other people too. It, mm-hmm. Like for me, that idea of like making your partner look good, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, which is highly touted, but sometimes kind of a difficult thing to pin down on what you mean by that exactly. Yeah. You know, like, uh, um, is it that you're gifting them constantly? Right. Or, you know? Yeah. Is it that you're just smiling and nodding your head at everything that they say. Right. Uh, um, you know, the annoyances take on that is I can't make you look good unless I take care of myself, which I think is largely true. The idea being that if I don't know who I am, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be reacting tangibly to anything that you're doing. And you're going to be kind of, you're going to be improvising and you're going to look at my eyes and you're going to be responding to this sort of void in me rather than something solid and tangible to, Mm -hmm. to respond to. I think of it a lot uh, along the lines of like not only responding to everything that your partner says uh, uh, um, seriously, mm-hmm. which to me, and, and that's probably something that's like not a good note to give anybody, but to me, it's well, like, it's, I take you seriously. That's well, exactly my goal. what you are creating. What you're doing is happening yeah. and it's real. Yeah. It, yeah. It's literal. And, and that's, yeah. it. there's no question about you're it. You're not like, Oh, okay. I guess we're doing this. Right. Yeah. But then the other big thing is like, actively and this is something that you at least i think you got to just try to practice constantly you practice it mm-hmm. when you're playing you practice it when you're coaching you practice it when you're just talking to people it, it has more to do about looking for any little tiny opportunity that you can to try to make the people around you feel comfortable and feel like they're welcome mm-hmm. and that's a a super useful way to not exactly make the other person succeed, but to create the opportunity for that person yeah, to creating that environment for them to, yeah. to, for them to go, to go, go, go. Yeah. yeah. And same thing. And, uh, with an audience too, you know, I think and that's part of why you want to listen to them is you're creating that opportunity for them to laugh, 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 or, you know, cry, 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 whatever it is you're opening, you're letting them feel that way too. Yeah. Which I think is 
is interesting because if, and that's why I think you have to listen to an audience too. Cause if you don't say they start laughing hugely at something your scene partner said, or you said, and you just right away start talking, like you kill it and you take away their ability to go, go, go totally. as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It, it, they, they're the third partner. Yeah. You know, um, they're the silent partner, mm-hmm. but like they're still the third partner in it. Did you ever read David Mamet's, uh, uh, theater book? It's called theater. No, I haven't. I feel bad. I, I got to read that one. I got right. a lot of books to read. It's like, <laughs> it's like a quarter of it is, is really interesting. Yeah. And then three quarters of it are like, eh, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, um, I think it's in that book though. He talks about like why you bow at the end of a performance. Yeah. You know? And like, and not coming out with like the guilty bow. He does, he does, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. the, I'm sorry for sorry, what I just guys. did. Bow uh, that the, you wasn't know. our best. Yeah. He's like, the bow is just like a mark of acknowledgement. That's your thanks to the audience for having just spent an hour paying attention to you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the exchange. You guys give us our attention, give us your attention for an hour. Uh, uh, we'll do the best you. we can. It's a thank you. It's an acknowledgement of that. Like that's the gift that they gave. That's what they contributed to mm-hmm. this. I, I really like that a lot. And yeah, that's it, cool. It's not always easy to keep in mind because sometimes you really do have to fight off that, that uh, apology. Uh, bow. Yeah. But like, it, I, I love that idea of like acknowledging that the audience is also bringing a gift to this that has to be respected. Yeah. And that has to be incorporated the same as your scene partner, but it's the gift they of could have done anything. That exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Nick and Ellis, thank you for talking. Oh, thanks for having me. I wonder if, how Mammoth would handle not being able to swear uh, for kids. Uh, who cares? Who cares? Hey, right. hey thanks for having me. Lou. Thanks for talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and thank you guys again for listening to the Magnet Theater Podcast. Um, thanks again to Grant Goldberg, our engineer. Um, please check us out online to find out more about who we are and what we do. Magnettheater.com is the name of that website. Nick, anything you care to plug or uh, uh, for anybody in New York or visiting New York anytime soon? Uh, come to the come to the Magnet on a Saturday night. Awesome. Check out Trike at 10.30, Kiss Punch Palm at 9 p.m. Uh, where can people find out more about Story Pirates? Uh, if you go to storypirates.org, you can find out more about it. Please check that out check as well. Out. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for listening, gang. Uh, talk to you next time. Bye. You've been listening to the Magnet Podcast. 